time of Reagan and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. So, Casey? Yeah. I, I've got kind of a confession to make, and I, I want to know if this is a safe space. Are you pregnant? N- no, no, no. I was... I just want to say I I kind of like this movie up quite a bit. It's okay to like a movie. It's okay to like a movie. <laughs> and that movie, in this case, is Junior from the year 1994, directed by the late, great Ivan Reitman, who directed Stripes, Ghostbusters, Dave, Meatballs, and most relevantly to our show, uh, did a trilogy of comedies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, including this movie, Twins, and Kindergarten Cop, and written from a screenplay by Kevin Wade, who contributed to Working Girl, Mr. Baseball, and Meet Joe Black, and Chris Conrad, who wrote Love Thy Neighbor, which is a John Ritter comedy, I believe. I mean, the, the comedy chops are apparent here. I mean, Kindergarten Cop, Twins... Both huge box office successes for, you know, for Arnold and for the 90s. Yeah. And uh, joining us to help uh, bring this baby, this episode, (laughs) to the delivery room is uh, a longtime friend of the show uh, and a contributor to the late, great View from the Gutters comic Mm -hmm. book podcast, Kirby Green. Hello. (laughs) How's it going, Kirby? It's good. Thank you for having me. And uh, one of the questions we always ask first-time guests is... What is your your history with the movies of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and are you a fan of this guy? Um, I think I've recently become a fan of him. I had watched Terminator before, but the only thing I really remembered from that was my mother in law telling me about how symmetrical his butt was <laughs> like, <laughs> while we were watching it. <laughs> but I think um, after seeing Total Recall, I was like, "Oh wait, do I like this guy?" And then <laughs> from there, um, I mean, I haven't seen like a ton of his movies. I had never seen Junior before, but um, I of course like Total Recall. I'm a big fan of True Lies. Mm-hmm. That's another, yeah. One that I really enjoyed. Um, I just listened to your guys' sixth day, and I was like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> I like that one, too, but I do like Total Recall, so that's probably why I like it. Yeah. It is um, It is fun to have a guest that does not come through it through the, um, I was too young to watch this butt portal. Butt portal. <laughs> I was too young to watch this, however, because so many of our guests have done this thing, and most of the male who do this, which is, I watched Terminator, but at too young of an age, where they clearly like watched something on cable or snuck into the room when their older brother was watching something. A lot of them have come to it from that perspective. And then there's the from your perspective, which is you somehow get it by osmosis a lot later. And so mm-hmm. you're you're into like if you're if the first Arnold Schwarzenegger movie you watch is like Sixth Day, you're coming at it from a totally different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us we first saw Arnold and became acquainted with his movies when we were kids. And there's a nostalgia factor there. So a lot of these movies we're revisiting for the first time in a few years. Some of them we've seen a thousand times. Some of them for the first time. 
and some uh, of them we've only seen once, just like yeah, this movie, just like <laughs> this movie. And that's that's what I find kind of fascinating to see somebody come into it as an adult. So you don't have the sort of childish perspective; you just have adult you watching this now, and it's new. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder about that because when something is so tied up in nostalgia, you kind of wonder. Are you going to have the ability to judge it with any kind of objectivity? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I do that with <laughs> a lot of people say Ocarina of Time is a terrible video game. But I'm like, no, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> so It just has to hit you at the Those right people time. are yeah. heretics, by the way. Yeah. I don't know what they're <laughs> talking <out> about. <laughs> so the second question we ask a lot of people, Kirby, is mm-hmm. if you had to sum up the plot to Junior in like a paragraph or two, oh. what is this movie all about? Oh, um... <laughs> I would say this movie is about unconventional parenthood. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's <laughs> And who is the unconventional parent? Um, well, <laughs> you know, it's like a it's weird. That's an interesting question cuz I think there's a lot of angles to this. Like sure. I had mentioned it earlier before we started recording, like there's a lot of like trans things that are going on with this. Oh, there certainly is. And um also women becoming mothers who don't give birth. And um, kind of the idea also of a father becoming a father when the child is not coming from him either. Right, right. When it's something that they wanted. So I think it kind of hits at a lot of angles with like just kind of people becoming parents who want to be parents, but like kind of getting there in an unconventional way. Right. Yeah, this is a movie that I think its entire reputation, its entire legacy is based on its poster. (laughs) <laughs> right, <laughs> like we've all we've all seen that poster. This is the pregnant Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Mm-hmm. This is the one where you see like Danny DeVito is in front of him with a stethoscope, listening. Yeah, and Emma Thompson's behind him, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> it's just it looks goofy. <laughs> it, it looks goofy as hell, and it also looks like a fake movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like one of those movies that's on Thirty Rock for about twenty seconds, or it's a movie. Did you guys ever see the second Jurassic Park movie? And it's okay because nobody did. Too long to remember. Yeah, so I there, did. No. There's a scene where the, the main characters are running from a T-Rex in, I think it's like San Diego, and they run and hide for cover in like a blockbuster video, and there's all these <laughs> fake movie posters hanging up. There's like Tsunami Surprise starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> there's a King Lear Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, but I always thought that the poster to Junior looks like it belonged in that fake movie poster um, sort of design of that blockbuster. It belongs in a movie inside of a movie. And you're just like, okay. There's the obvious fish out of water. It's like, oh my God, take the most macho, you know, big action star that's ever been and emasculate him in some way. Make Mm, him a woman. And that's the whole joke. And what I found kind of interesting is how that's not what this movie is. It's it's certainly how it was marketed. The idea of, oh my God, can you even imagine a pregnant (laughs) man? And... They don't go there. That's the thing I found so utterly shocking watching it again, because my perspective of this movie and the sort of knee-jerk jokes I would make about this movie are all sort of based on a version of the movie that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Because it's really easy to imagine that this movie had been made in 2007, and instead of Danny DeVito as as a doctor character, you have like Adam Sandler... And instead of Arnold as a pregnant man, you have Kevin James. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine yeah. what that yeah, yeah, movie yeah, 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 is? Because yeah, yeah. that's the one that you have in your head. You're like, you imagine a lot of really cheap jokes. You imagine a lot of low hanging fruit in terms of like 
probably a bunch of like anti-trans, like misogynistic jokes. There's a lot of casual lameness of like, you know, Adam Sandler rolling his eyes. Oh my God. Can you imagine a man acting like a woman? Oh, he's crying at stuff. And oh my God, he's doing that. And it's just like women. Am I right? <laughs> um, there'd be a lot of that, but this movie is not that. Well, and that is shocking. To but me. what this movie is, is it's not unlike the predecessors for kindergarten cop and for twins. It's a broad comedy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's a, you, you talk about how, like, oh, everyone knows what the reputation of this movie is from seeing the poster. And pretty much almost every comedic beat, and the average person, the average screenwriter on the average budget and an average movie studio would would write is this, this, this kind of broad comedy. And I think the thing that elevates it is just the lead performances. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, 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 there's nothing, there really is nothing terribly clever about the setup. Or really, even the execution of the movie. <laughs> well, I think- and I, I, I think I, I can tell I like it less than you do. Okay. Um, but uh, this is that part of that trilogy, part of like the the child rearing trilogy, because they're all about putting big guy Arnold, who's used to just like solving things with guns and his fists, and having to solve a problem that has to do with children. You know, that has to do with these e- ephemeral these these less masculine things to have to solve, right? Yeah. Um, and It's also m- about getting a different side of Arnold, that you see oh, a much course, more sensitive side, a kinder, gentler side, that I think he has one, like, two-second action sequence in this entire movie. Right. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> does. And that's it. That's, yeah. that's it. And uh, the other things that I noticed with the Ivan Reitman trilogy, you can say, is that Ivan Reitman always finds an in-story reason for Arnold to both right. have his physique <laughs> and have his accent. Mm-hmm. In this case, they just straight up mention he's from Austria. He mentions at the beginning, oh, I'm done. I'm going back to Europe. And you see him when he wakes up, he starts doing leg exercise. And you're like, okay, the movie is acknowledging. You know, things that anyone with eyes and ears can see. (laughs) This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And how do we just get past that and just go, yes, we know he's Arnold Schwarzenegger and moving on. And Mm -hmm. I kind of like that because a lot of the time he just has a name like John Kimball. um, (laughs) (laughs) But even in in that movie, he he acknowledges the accent and Pamela Reed, the awesome Pamela Reed from Kindergarten Cop, comes back into this movie playing... Um, Danny DeVito's ex-wife and she's always great in everything she's in Um, but in Kindergarten Cop she had that accent too when she pretended to be a sister briefly so um, I think Ivan Reitman really kind of likes working with Arnold clearly he did it three times but well not only that but Arnold refused to do this movie with another director there was another director on board and Arnold said I won't do it if it's not Ivan Reitman because he'd obviously trusted Reitman's ability to make him the comedic presence in a movie, you know. Mm-hmm. I also, you sort of see, like you mentioned, the 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 basic beats of this movie are not unusual, but I really do think it's the way they approach those things that makes this movie different from the movie everyone had in their head. Because you even have Danny DeVito and his relationship at the beginning as Arnold is sort of this kind of stoic, emotionally repressed scientist. He's very competent. And Danny DeVito is sort of this like, a little bit sleazy, kind of, yeah. kind of an. Danny and- DeVito is hard not to be sleazy. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> really why. Is. That's why you hire him for yeah. the role. Yeah. But he's this guy who doesn't quite believe in the rules, and he's like, you know, he's a kind of a smart aleck. And these guys are partners, and you kind of set this up as sort of like, oh, okay, this is like a little bit like Red Heat at the beginning. Yeah, I was, I was just gonna make that comparison as. Um, the thing about it is, is y- y- there are so- points at which when Danny DeVito's character is 
sort of talking. He has to be the surrogate partner for Arnold. He's basically mm-hmm. the surrogate husband in this makeshift partnership when Arnold is pregnant. And considering Danny DeVito's job is he is an obstetri- obstetrician, so he's someone who deals with pregnant women all day long, and he that this is he's apparently very successful at doing it. Um, for the sake of sort of Dan- getting Danny DeVito to be funny in your movie, and also for the sake of having Danny DeVito to be the masculine archetype, I think there's a, for someone who does it for a living, there's a little bit too much of the women are always doing this when they're pregnant, you know. Like, and they say, we don't, we shouldn't have anything to say about it or something. Like, there's a little bit too much of him being the, like the Jim Belushi. Yeah. So I feel like it could easily have been a Jim Belushi character, but Danny DeVito is, has a little more. He's a touch of warmth, has a little more warmth, you know? Well, yeah. And that's kind of like a funny thing too. Cause when, when, like, you know, whenever that happened, when um, they're talking about it, like after he's, it's like, oh, you don't have to take the stuff anymore. You can just like not be pregnant. And he's like, no, I'm going to be. Um, I like took a moment. I was just like, you know, I kind of thought this kind of would be like a pro-life sort of movie, but I think it's actually pro-choice. Like yeah, he chose to have the baby. Is. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I thought that was like really interesting. It kind of like changed my expectations of what the movie was because it wasn't like a you have to keep this baby. It was like you have the choice, and he chose to keep it. So that's true. That's what true. was yeah. your guys's expectations going into it? Oh, I thought it would just be like the goofiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm, I'm surprised it didn't show the baby until like the very, very end, and the baby was fine. Well, I guess there was that one scene with the the, the CGI face. Arnold yeah. baby. <laughs> the, the, thing the, is- the nightmare fuel of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I really wasn't sure what to expect of it. It was the first um, Arnold movie I think I've seen that wasn't like action packed too. Oh yeah, like it was yeah. a little bit more like calm and like somber, and it was just kind of like, I mean, Arnold was great in it, but I feel like he didn't necessarily have to be the one in it to like be pregnant, I guess. But it happened to be him, and that just kind of added a level of like this would never happen. So we can just like detach from like real life for a second with it. It kind of feels like all the pieces were there to make the Kevin James pregnant movie. Mm-hmm. But then everyone actually making it, it was like, no, we don't want to make that movie. That's mm-hmm. that. like Danny DeVito. Yeah. Has those couple turns where he makes those sort of smart remarks, but there's always that brief pause. And then he's very like validating and supportive. Mm-hmm. And you get these chances. He's like a really good doctor. Yeah, I mean, well, we look at um, the the situation with his wife. So Pamela Reed is his ex ex wife. You can tell that they've been recently divorced, but they sort of had this on again off again relationship mm-hmm. where it didn't work. They'd been trying to have a baby, and Pamela Reed comes in and tells him into his office and says, "I'm pregnant." He gets excited at first because he thought, "Oh, we we, we tried and we never had it," and then he. Then she's like, oh, I want you to be my doctor, and uh, but it's, the baby's not yours. And so he goes, no, I'm not going to do it. But, but not all that much longer further in it, he basically says, okay, I'll be your doctor. So like he 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 has a, a heart and a warmth and an earnestness to the character that you do not normally allow for actors and characters that are supposed to slot into that, is that you can sometimes he seems like he's a bit of a jerk and a loud mouth, but behind it, He's gentle and he's understanding, and um, with the exception of one be- one beat that we'll I'll talk about later, is it his relationship with his ex wife and the <laughs> fact that as great as a doctor he is to Arnold, he's like really dismissive <laughs> to yes. his ex wife the whole movie, and I mean, doesn't the, he listen comes to around her. at the very end, right? He does yeah. come around, <laughs> but I mean, I kind of love it. You don't sort of expect this movie to be sweet. 
It was uh, very sweet. Yeah. For a movie that got real seahorse real quick, yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> at how sweet it was. <laughs> well, I've got a before we move on and before I forget, there's this one bone to pick that I have. And I know this is ridiculous when talking about a movie about pregnant Arnold Schwarzenegger, but if you just inject a fertilized egg into someone's abdomen, mm-hmm. there's not a womb. There's not a uterus. I was the wondering baby about that. The baby doesn't have anything to grow in, doesn't have any nutrients. No umbilical cord. There's, yeah, mm-hmm. there's no umbilical cord. So I know that the movie just says, for this, just ignore it because it's a dumb premise. Yeah, I think but that's there, the best way to go. But there's mm-hmm. no possible way that could happen. Yeah. They didn't transplant a womb into Arnold Schwarzenegger and connect the blood vessels to his circulatory system. Well, maybe there was, it's like... <laughs> It's like one of those things, you know, you get them, you put them in the water, they expand out, and then there's a that's, dinosaur, it's in the beetle, it's like expanding out, it's a womb, now it's there. That's totally how human reproduction works. I'm pretty, I'm a woman, I know how this works. But I just love the idea that it, it, it basically grows in him like a parasite and is fine, and that's, the movie just moves past that. We yeah, know, it doesn't Everyone knows this is bullshit, and that's not what the movie's about. This is not like a, a novel written by Isaac Asimov. We don't need hard science no this this is not a michael crichton movie (laughs) no it's you know it's it's about the emotional journey of this guy who's sort of repressed and not super popular who is not very expressive who kind of learns to see a different side of himself he kind of comes out of his shell he becomes kinder and gentler and more understanding and more expressive than he ever was because of the experience of becoming pregnant Yeah, and that was one of the things that I actually really liked about the movie is that I felt like, especially when he was in the, like, OBGYN office and stuff, and, like, Danny DeVito, like, walks away, I think, with, like, his ex-wife or whatever, and, like, they come back, and he's just, like, on the couch talking to the other ladies about his pregnancy. Like, they just, like, don't question it at all. They're just, like, you know, (laughs) chatting about it and stuff, and then he just, like, politely says excuse me, and then leaves. (laughs) (laughs) It it kind of primes the pump for a joke and then it gives you sweetness. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that surprise. Like at the beginning, um, essentially the premise sets up very similar to what Willem Dafoe had in the first Spider-Man movie where you have scientists that are working on something, the government shuts them down, the the institution they're working for shut them down, so they're like, no, we're going to go into the lab late at night and experiment on ourselves. And I'm so primed at this point to like, say, oh, this is a supervillain origin. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, the lab's going to explode and he's going to get chimpanzee powers and he's going to <laughs> he's going to kill Franklin G- who's going to be the villain of this movie. Um, but yeah, I I kind of love all the little things this movie does to kind of subvert your expectations, your, albeit, and I admit, low expectations. Like, for instance, when they lose the lab, and they've got, of course, the chimps, because the drug they're trying to, to bring to market, they get rejected for human trials. It's called expectane, yeah, and it's, it's to mm-hmm. stop uh, women from having miscarriages. Right. Yeah. So it's a fertility drug, and they've been testing it on chimpanzees until this point, and they get thrown out of their lab, and Emma Thompson, who's like a cryogenicist or something, I don't even know if what I said was a word. <laughs> Although uh, she is yes? the, she is, unfortunately, this is the, I think this is the thing that I like least about the movie, mm-hmm. is that the only thing they give her is to be the klutz, which mm-hmm. is the same trope for like almost every romantic comedy, yeah. is for the main female protagonist 
She like, does she's kind ditzy of, and a klutz. And you're she like, does kind of Inspector yeah. Clouseau her way around yeah, this movie. It's, yeah. it's, uh, they could have done a little more with that, but she's fine. She's good. She's a good yeah. actor. And I think yeah. I, I like that they kind of make her a little bit of a dork, which is sort of not what you usually have as a romantic interest in a movie like this. Um, they usually just hire a model right. and mm-hmm. just have them pretend to like the lead actor. <laughs> I, I do like how uh, she turns down Danny DeVito the first time. Oh. Is that he's... Mm-hmm. He's just kind of the first time he's really talking to her. He's stealing something from her lab, something he important. Stealing the eggs. Yes, yeah. and uh, then he's also at that time because he's he's single. He he like every man in this movie tries to hit on her at some point, and and uh, she just is sort of like, no, no, it's not going to happen. I love that <laughs> they don't make it this whole thing of misunderstanding where she goes out on a date, but she doesn't like him and can't tell him. Mm-hmm. But she's just at the at the very beginning, she's like, nope, <laughs> sorry, Danny DeVito. I don't like you that way. So she moves into their old lab, but she feels bad about having all these chimps thrown out. So every time we go back to Emma Thompson's lab, the chimps just live there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're not part of any experiment, but they're always just kind of hanging around like they're lab assistants. <laughs> um, I do kind of enjoy that. And she's like, I don't want to throw, I couldn't throw a new mother out. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like the idea of of this movie subverting those expectations and Mm -hmm. and again i went in this rock bottom in terms of what i thought i was going to expect i was like okay even before we started this project clearly this is the worst of the three arnold comedies like this i don't know if i feel that way anymore um i'm not going to say this movie's a masterpiece but i'm 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 saying it definitely went way over what i thought it was going to be yeah well i think it's that sweetness that you were talking about like it's actually like very sweet and like people are nice to each other and like the other thing about it is that there's a lot of points where like people could like try and correct what they're saying like he's pregnant and everybody's like okay you know, like, there's no question to it, which I think is part of, like, also that trans stuff that we were talking about. It's just, like, no one questions it. It's just, like, he's pregnant. Yeah, let's let's open that up because that's yeah. certainly a reading that you would have watching this in the 21st century that mm-hmm. in 1994 eyes, like, no, they, they yeah. mentioned the words sex change operation because mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger is taking hormones because he needs hormones for the baby to, to yeah. develop, to be the fetus to be viable and to grow. Um, but in a... 21st century context it isn't a laughable like movie plot absurdity that someone who is male could have a baby mm-hmm. and so that's what makes it this like but if this were about if this were something that were in the 21st century it would have a completely different loaded sort of mm-hmm. socio-political context they would and address the womb the, yes issue, but it also wouldn't be funny in the same way because mm-hmm. somehow it's not now that there's like insane amounts of discrimination, mm-hmm. it, that's not funny in that way. So you can this is only really can be a product of the past. And if you did have the Adam Sadler, Kevin James, oh. it would be version now. It would be so insensitive as to be insulting. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ivan Reitman and Arnold and Danny DeVito, they must have all had a conversation and said, "We're going to let the premise be the weird thing, and we're going to play it totally straight." And I think that element, that decision, is probably why this movie has aged as well as it did. Because yeah. mm-hmm. you give this to a different director, you give this to different stars, you give this to different writers. And I think instead of being something where we kind of acknowledge the ridiculousness of the premise, but then we treat it with sort of sincerity and validation, mm-hmm. instead it would just be constant eye rolling and, and body horror and gay panic jokes. And there are little elements of that, but they're so quickly diffused yeah. that... For a 1994 movie, it's kind of shockingly progressive. Right, because Arnold's reaction to his body changing is not like, oh my God, 
bad, right? Like, it's not played for, this is terrifying and this is horrible. Nobody runs away and vomits in this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. The, this is the reaction to the change in his body is, is I'm suddenly noticing things that I hadn't noticed before. Of course, they're played out in, like, super cliche mm-hmm. Pregnant woman stereotypes like I'm crying at the commercial <laughs> and that sort of stuff. I've cried at commercials before, <laughs> but but if it, if it was if it was a more mean spirited or worse movie, it wouldn't be about his character becoming having sensitivities that he just didn't feel before because he had this sort of really strict, orderly, unfeeling kind of life that the prospect of him having a child changes, which mm-hmm. I'll say is that I, I believe I'm the only one in this room who's ever had children. I don't know if Kirby has ever had children. No. Um, <laughs> it is true that the experience of doing that definitely brings up emotions that you have never felt before. And so that's, of course, the big metaphor for this movie is mm-hmm. you said it, right? Yeah. It's about people arriving at parenthood in an unconventional way, because obviously Danny DeVito arrives at being a father mm-hmm. when the kid is not his. So it's not his biological kid, but... Regardless, he decides to be its father no matter what. And mm-hmm. Arnold gets a kid in a yeah. very unconventional way, but still changes them all for for the good. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. also, Emma, who's that? Emma Thompson? Emma Thompson. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry. I don't know. It's <laughs> easy. To, it's easy. No, it's easy to confuse her with Emma Watson, too. Yeah. Yes. So she also becomes a mother in an unconventional way because instead of her being like a sperm donor or right. something like that, she right. unknowingly has her egg donated to right. her. Or to him to, um, you know, have the child. So that was like one of the things where it's like people becoming parents in unconventional ways and she becomes a mother by not actually giving right, birth. Right. And she also accepts the baby too, yeah, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. Which was also something, <laughs> I was joking with Joe when we were watching it and I was basically like, oh, this turf over here, she wasn't really Because <laughs> 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 she, like, <laughs> she has like that line where she's just like, and men are taking childbirth away from us too. And I was just like, hey, hold on there. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the definitely the, the sort of the 90s that 90s sense of naive optimism that um, plays into the that mm-hmm. that piece of it, which is it's like a like I said, it's just a super broad thing uh, of a of a, a woman saying nagging and saying like, I wish men could understand what it's like to go through. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. It's totally <laughs> All true. All women sound like it's that. It's <laughs> totally true, by the way. There's I don't know I don't know what my wife ended up going through twice, and it it's was terrifying to me just the very idea of it's mm-hmm. totally terrifying but this is a this is a story in which that sort of really goofy complaint is satisfied yeah like mm-hmm. Danny DeVito has a joke about it he's like well when a man finally does get uh get pregnant then they freak out or something right that's yeah. his, that's his line but I love that the that the result of that is something where um Arnold becomes sweeter and a more complete person mm-hmm. and Danny DeVito learns to accept the his shortcomings and whatever. And so it, it becomes obviously a super earnest and super sweet conclusion to that. And you, like I said, you could easily write a much dumber, more offensive movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the crux of it is that when somebody feels these new emotions, how does the movie feel about Arnold suddenly feeling more sensitive and feeling more uh, affectionate and being loving and gentle and crying at commercials? It, does the movie bully him? It's like, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's the part that it turns on is that moment like it's actually a beautiful thing that he's feeling all of these things. He's a better person mm-hmm. because he's felt all these things. It's not about the movie picking on him for being a, too much like a girl. 
And mm -hmm. that's that's the thing that you change just that one element, we'd be having a very different conversation about right. Junior right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, it's like when he's in the OBGYN and all the ladies are, like, talking to him. Or when there's that scene where um, Danny DeVito's ex-wife comes and then they order all the takeout and are, like, eating it all together and stuff. And it's, like, that is kind of, like, stereotypical or whatever. But they're both having a good time and, like, bonding over mm -hmm. it. And I think she does say something like, you're acting weird about it or something like that. Like a pregnant woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think... I'll let that one slide. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do really enjoy. Also, there's a part where, of course, um, Franklin Jilla, who you know is evil because he's played both Skeletor and Richard Nixon. Wait, wait, um, <laughs> wait a minute. I have to say before I'm gonna, before you qualify that, I have to say Franklin Jilla is the good guy in this movie up until the minute that he says. You and your baby are university property, and then, oh. and then I'm like, oh. okay, we're done. We're yeah. done with you, Franklin Jilla. Yeah, he, he is just, he's such a prick. I, I mean, illegal experiments on humans happening in his lab, he has a right to be a little upset about that happening. But, but the minute he finds out he can make money off right. of it, yeah. he's like, he's hey, a fucking asshole. coloring outside the lines, <laughs> you know, I can work with this. Um, but He's I, like, you and your baby are my property? He wants you to make you slaves? Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? But no I, thanks. Yeah. But when they have to go, you know, hiding, in hiding from him, and yeah. Arnold goes to this, like, pregnant woman sort of retreat... Uh, Casita, Casita Madre? Casita Madre. <laughs> yeah. um, there's the initial you know, joke of it's Arnold in drag, but it's diffused right away, where right. Yeah. they basically go, okay, let's explain the fact that Arnold clearly looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's no getting around the fact that he's got Arnold Schwarzenegger's jawline and Arnold Schwarzenegger's height and Arnold Schwarzenegger's broad shoulders <laughs> um, and Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger's giant hands. Uh, let's just move past that. And he just says, you know, he was on the East German women's track and field team. Oh, yeah. That was so <laughs> and good. Was given, and what I love is that after the initial, like, oh, my God, all of the women at this, this resort just embrace and support and are incredibly sweet and supportive yeah. to him. And it's never made a joke ever again. I think maybe we were talking about 1994 eyes versus 2022 eyes. And that I think maybe him being sensitive and being at the retreat probably was funny and people are guffawing through their popcorn in 1994. But now it just seems sweet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because Arnold is so committed to making it sweet. Yeah, he plays such a straight person. And yeah. that, like he he's just like, here I am. I'm going to do it. And he just like really embraces the character and um, just lets the inherent goofiness be what it is. And yeah, so wholesome about it. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking about I was thinking about this is I was not looking at it from your perspective, Mike, of the Adam Sandler, Kevin James. I didn't know who I would have would, would replace with Danny DeVito, but I was thinking about The Rock. So I was thinking about like, let's say. We lived in a universe where Junior 2000 or 1994 didn't exist and somebody thought it would be a good idea to have the same joke, which is big, strong, muscly, manly man um, plays a guy who ends up getting pregnant. And the biggest the biggest thing that I there are two takeaways. One is I don't think uh, I don't think Dwayne Johnson could play the kind of sweet emotions that Arnold can play here, which says a lot about his ability to act. And two Weirdly enough, Arnold Arnold is not a sexless machine like The Rock seems to be. Do you know for like do you know what I'm talking about? For whatever reasons, when they try to shoehorn some kind of eroticism or romance into mm -hmm. anything with The Rock, it just doesn't play for some reason. You don't think about him as 
as a sexual being. Whereas when Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this movie, who's talking about getting an erection after scooping melons <laughs> for, for, <laughs> for breakfast, you're like, well, it's Arnold, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that. That part is a part, part. Part of this movie is getting laid. Is Arnold yeah. getting the kind of the the climax of the movie is Arnold <laughs> getting laid. Um, mm-hmm. I had two movie connections that I I had while watching this, which two of the movies that I've seen in theaters over the last maybe year and a half that I liked a lot. Two of my favorite. Movies I know what one I've of them seen. is. Yeah, <laughs> and both of them. The thing they have in common with it is the wholesomeness. One of them was, of course, the French body horror movie Titan. Yeah, about a. A female serial killer becoming pregnant after having sex with a car. <laughs> That's a real movie. Uh, and the other one is the Jackass movie. Oh, Which, yeah. Oh. I went in again with rock bottom expectations. I was like, okay, this is going to be guys getting kicked in the balls. And it is that. <laughs> but I did not expect it to be sort of wholesome. And what I sort of imagined it being was not what it was in the similar vein to this movie. And what I got out of Jackass and out of Teton is that these are, and Junior, these are all movies about suddenly a person doesn't have control over their body anymore. And their body is doing all these things that, and this is just the experience of all three of us. We're all human. We all live in this meat suit that we walk around in. <laughs> and being human is frequently embarrassing. It's frequently gross. Uh, we've all been sick before and had stuff come out of our bodies. Um, we try to pretend that farts aren't funny, but we know that they are. <laughs> and what I kind of love is that these movies are sort of about the acceptance of that, the acceptance that you're not a freak, you're not to be bullied, that these are universal feelings and that you should get sort of comfort and validation. And that's, I really didn't expect for Jackass where um, I've even heard it described as the most body positive movie that anyone had ever seen, the new Jackass forever. Everyone Mm. is just so wonderfully supportive and thrilled that somebody has a giant welt from a paintball on their testicle (laughs) and nobody feels ashamed of what happened that the human body is gross and embarrassing but it's also funny in a non-bullying way and that you can get a lot of fun and humor from the experience in living in this frequently malfunctioning meat suit it's, but it's your you you put the you put your your finger on it it's the word bully that mm -hmm. this that junior does not exist there is no the only real bully in it is of course the Frank Langella character who he's a dictator and not really a bully in as much as he's effectively a mustache twirling villain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got no there's no nuance. He's a one dimensional character entirely one dimensional. the The only alternate dimensional reading you can give of him is like I said. He is somewhat right that he doesn't want people to do illegal trials in his university. But as soon as he crosses the line, he's just like, well, he's just going to be the bad guy and he's going to end up eating his words and he ends up doing. But there's no, no one mocks Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he never has to deal with the, he never has to deal with the shame of him, his body changing in a way that he didn't end up expecting. He just ends up being surrounded by, uh, surrounded by people who, once he makes his decision of saying, no, I'm going to have this baby, as ridiculous as it sounds, they all everyone goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's so refreshing. Yeah. yeah. I've got to say, watching that, that was so refreshing because you imagine, you know, the reaction to a thing being absurd or unusual or something you've never seen before lasts like two seconds every time it happens in this movie. And then they just move on and let characters be people. And I was... So relieved because I was going into this thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to dislike an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, 
And of all the ones we've watched so far, only Sabotage. And Kirby, I know Joe's probably talked to you about Sabotage before. Um, I don't know if you had to sit through that. I hope you did. Oh, no, I was probably somewhere else. Oh, good. <laughs> that you is did. a wise move. Yeah. <laughs> I am jealous. But I mean, it's not, I mean, that's the thing I can, the experience of doing a podcast. I guess some people might get really excited about the idea of tearing into something and hating something and having a cathartic reaction. And that episode is very cathartic. But it's also exhausting and I didn't want another experience of hating something um, on a podcast and to not hate it. But in fact, you know, go, wow, this actually is weirdly life affirming. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Was just a welcome, welcome revelation and just not having to go through lengthy discussions about how badly this aged and wondering man were we some kind of monster in 1994 spoiler yes <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's just nice to skip a conversation i wasn't really excited and it's kind of dreading having yeah i yeah. i mean uh, and obviously it's not fun it's not fun to bring another person on <laughs> to talk about something that we know is going to be like a terrible like slog of a conversation. Oh so, yeah. yeah. No. I mean, it was I I offered. I was like, you know, I I know you guys are doing this and I haven't watched a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, so I'll watch more of them. And <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it. Um and I actually I think I was fortunate that this was my first one to talk to you guys about mm. because it was I don't know. It was like one of the ones that was, I think, more interesting. Like, I had no idea this movie existed, to be honest. And um, now that I've seen it, I'm like, I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I'm glad I watched it the time I did. <laughs> so so I guess, does yeah. that lead us to our, our big two questions? Sure, then? let's do it. Ooh. So I guess the, the big two questions we always ask at the end of the episode, first one being, is Junior a good movie? I'm going to say yes. I think that... It, I mean, it's not the best movie ever, but I think that in a time when there's a lot of hate going around, just having a wholesome movie where some guy gets pregnant and he has a lot of support is really, <laughs> really refreshing. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to echo it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I liked it as much as you did. I think that the experience of watching this after having not seen it since the VHS days, so you mm-hmm. know. 27 years probably or thereabouts um the literally the only thing that i remembered was they gave out metabolic steroids like gatorade gatorade that, that was the only thing about this movie oh it that looked I like gatorade too yeah yes. <laughs> um i would say it made me think more about wanting to watch uh twins for whatever reason because i felt like twins was funnier because i think that while the situations are humorous situations the things like i was talking about like making Emma Thompson's character's funniness just being about the tripping over things yeah. and having toilet paper on her heels and just a, a ditz, a klutz. It's kind of weird how not judgmental even no, that was. It's mm-hmm. it's true, it's true. But I mean, this is also one of the reasons why I that I didn't, I can't like this more than I did is because mm-hmm. it also is one of the the comedies that's about a misunderstanding. And it's just if someone says tells someone early on. Then it would just cut out forty minutes, and it mm-hmm. would just all this, all this running around would be over with. And I do find those pretty intolerable. In this movie, however, it didn't bother me as much. Hmm. So I, this is a good movie. This is this is um, this is not the best of the three Reitman movies. I would say this is still the bottom three of the tier of the Reitman movies, but mm. it's still a good movie. I gotta say that too. And I never expected when we started this project. 
that, <laughs> that I would say Junior is a good movie, but Junior <laughs> is a good movie. Um, it's it's sincere. And I think yeah, that's yeah. the thing that, that saves it. It's not about, oh my God, women's bodies are so gross. And oh my God, can you imagine if a guy acted like a girl? All of that subverted, just thrown out the window right away. There's the... and. Maybe it's just living in the world, looking out the window, opening a newspaper now, and just yeah. going, mm-hmm. holy shit, I needed to watch something like this right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, everything feels fucking awful and on fire. And having a movie where everyone is validating each other's feelings, and there's a lot of hugging, and it's not treated, you know, like an awful thing, that it's kind of delightful. I have to say before we uh, we close out that I did have a thought, I did have a flashback rather mm-hmm. to something that I had watched on television that was probably on TV prior to this. I'm not going to say that there was an inspiration. And this is going to come with a lot of baggage. Okay. There was a Cosby Show episode where it was a someone's n- nightmare that all of the men were pregnant, including Bill Cosby. And the joke, the punchline of it is they, um, they go to the hospital and... All, I think it's like Theo and Elvin all have babies and the, what comes out of them is not a baby. Like what comes out of Bill Cosby is like a th- three foot long Subway sandwich. What would you do if at the end of this movie when Arnold got his C-section, it was just like dumbbells? I don't know. <laughs> I, for so many reasons, we should just ignore the fact that that existed. But I couldn't help but thinking, I'm certainly glad that it did not end the way that a Cosby Show episode did. Or about how Bill Cosby did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Ah, he should be back in prison. So... <laughs> Um, I guess that gives us our second our second question. Is Junior a good Arnold movie? Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Um I think he was very good in this. So I think I would say yes on that too. I mean, I I really like the over the top Okay, I'm like so weird with Ar- Arnold sometimes because I know you guys love Commando. Yeah. But I'm like, that one's too violent. But, so- <laughs> but you don't have to love Arnold in the same way. You don't even have yeah. to love Arnold. But we, can I'm all, saying is, we can all keep yeah. Arnold in our own way. Right. Okay, okay. I think he was good. Yeah, I think it's a good Arnold movie. It's nice to have something that's so different mm-hmm. right. um, that he did. Right. Like, I think everybody has kind of like, you know, like a lot of comedians will do like a serious movie and stuff. And um, action heroes can have a wholesome movie every once in a while. Right. It's fine. I, I think it's entirely, it's it's not like a, we are demanding that everyone that who is on this podcast or <laughs> listen to it likes Arnold in the same way. I think it it's entirely possible to have just seen the three Ivan Reitman movies and love that Arnold and don't like anything else because he has more to offer than just like, the, ba- the bad ass kicker, which is, um, I'll say this is probably not a great Arnold movie in the part of Arnold canon because he's effectively not that kind of ass kicking, uh, you know, smiling in his eyes sort of guy. He does have a good comeback line, which is if he has one line in this, yeah. it's the my body, my choice. Yeah. After he kicks some ass. So I don't, may- maybe that tips the scales. I don't know. I, I think it's, I think he does really well. I think it would be impossible for the, an Arnold of, 1982 mm-hmm. to have had the range to do this. This is the comedic and the emotional range to do this. Um, but it, God, I don't know. Now I, I'm torn, Mike. I'm I torn, just, torn. I love how he threw himself into it. Like, especially yeah. when he goes to that, 
like retreat for mm-hmm. pregnant ladies and he's got the lipstick the earrings the wig. <laughs> he's like wearing those like you know long dresses and stuff he's doing yoga like he just I, I do like the fact that as he gets progressively bigger he wears more pink yeah <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is actually is really funny it's, it's a good touch i don't know what do you think mike I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. Um, I know that there's kind of different modes of Arnold. There's comedy Arnold, and I think there's enough comedy Arnold, including the catchphrase you mentioned, "My body, my choice." <laughs> um, the old, the old pro-choice slogan from the 1990s. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, yeah, I think that he's so utterly committed to playing it straight, to treating it with sincerity, to not being such a macho, insecure asshole the way a lot of other 90s action stars would have been. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe for a second that uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Chuck Norris no. or any of those guys would nope. have been able to do this. Um, certainly not. This movie would have been a lot less fun with Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> but Arnold commits to moment, moments where he's just glowing and is mm-hmm. happy and the moments where he's sad. The scene where he is having his C-section and you look and he's got fear in his eyes that yeah. he's going to lose his baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's scared and trying to remain calm. And the look of elation on his face when he's handed his baby for the first time Mm -hmm. is just so real and he's just gently kissing the baby's head and he's just so utterly content and that's a a moment that i don't think a lot of macho action stars would allow themselves to have Mm -hmm. because they're they're so afraid that people are going to make fun of them and even when he's in drag in and undercover at this women's retreat he's just in it yeah and Yep, yep and no one's laughing at him and he's not acting with this kind of detached irony to go hey guys i know i'm not really like this isn't this crazy mm-hmm. no he's just committed and i'm just going to say yeah he's great this movie is the exact opposite of absurd macho bullshit right. well it's got absurd yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not macho bullshit yeah, yeah. except yeah. for yeah you know, it's just i i i do i like this movie quite a bit i'm going to say yeah Okay. This is a this is a good Arnold movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, I I just want to thank you guys. It feels like I just gave birth. Yeah. Um, um I want to thank you guys for being here. Kirby Green, thank you so much for joining us for the first time. Oh, this yeah, was, thank it was you. super fun. Thanks for introducing me to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And a big special thank you to our episode sponsors. Um Oh my God, I see this list and I just say, I feel grateful. I feel like I'm kissing the little baby on the head <laughs> of you guys every single time. The little baby that looks distractingly like Mike Gillis CGI'd onto a baby's head. <laughs> oh, I couldn't do <laughs> that. <laughs> 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 um, so a big special thank you to Margaret King, Tim Batson, Dan Neidecker, Zuri Russell, Steel Wolf, Sterling Taylor, Tom the Belgian, Wim the Belgian, Misa the Barbarian, James Brucker, Jem Newman, Carol and Dave Brulette, Kelzone, Kalen, Matt Weber, and Hans Twite. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank awesome. you. And if you want to become an episode sponsor, please go to patreon.com slash radio versus the Martians or go and click the big red button on podcastalavistababy.com. Uh, we love you guys. We will see you next month. Podcast La Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran, and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, 
Kyle Hepworth and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. Let me shake hands with the man who would be mom. What are you talking about? Only the greatest scientific breakthrough in the history of this university. Bravo, Doctor. You know, we're in this together now. We have a contract, and I quote, Exploitation of results from university-funded research shall be at the sole discretion of the university. Now, you come on. I've ordered some tests. Leave me alone. He said to leave him alone. Escort Dr. Hess to the ambulance. No, stop. Cantalite. He's in a very delicate condition. You know, I'm really disappointed in you, Diana. <gasps> you and your baby are university property now. No, I'm not. <laughs> my body, my choice. Yes. Yes.